This summer, we are going, basically going through a series of uh, lessons on the theme of the unexpected God. And so the real idea behind that is that in our Christian lives, we can, always, we can almost always expect God to work a certain way. And yet when we do that, and he works in a different way that we're not expecting, we can suddenly begin to assume that he's not there, or he doesn't love us, um, or he's not hearing us or listening to us. And if we can't find ways to see how God's working in our own lives, it can be really hard to feel like you have a relationship with God. And I imagine for some of you, you may be here out of a moment of desperation of just saying, like, I need one more shot at a relationship with the Lord because it just feels like I pray and I throw words up and nothing happens. It feels like I serve and I do things and there's no fruit. And it just feels totally helpless. And so our our hope this summer is that you would find some really practical ways to be able to see the movement of God in your life that we can get from Scripture to help you see all of the thousand, ten thousand ways God is working in your life even if in the moment you may only be able to spot three of them. And tonight's topic, really to kick this off, is about prayer, and specifically unanswered prayer. So if you've been a Christian for very long at all, you, you've experienced prayer, and let's be honest, we have all probably had moments where we felt like we were just throwing words up to the sky to no re- reply, where there is something we deeply and seriously desire We thought it was a good thing that God would get praise for it. And we were crying out to God with, you know, the fullness of our heart and no answer. And we weep and weep and weep and we cry and cry and cry. And it seems like there's no answer. So what do we do? And every worldview that has any kind of supernatural belief has to wrestle with the idea of prayer and the answer to prayer. But I think... What you'll see tonight is that Christianity has a far better answer than any other worldview has. And one of the things that we can take solace in is that our our struggles in the Christian life are not new. They've been around for a really long time. And tonight, uh, we are going to study the answer God gives us in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, We're going to hear what Habakkuk has to say. So if you have your Bibles or smartphones or anything, uh, turn to Habakkuk. We're going to start in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. So Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 1. And while you're uh, turning there or scrolling there, let me give you just a little bit of context on the passage so it makes sense. Habakkuk and the nation of Judah have been oppressed deeply by the powerful nation of Assyria. So God's people in the nation of Judah are just this tiny nation, and there's this big bully of a nation, Assyria, that's been attacking them. This oppression has led people to fall away from the faithfulness in God. Um, Many people of Judah have begun to worship idols. They've fallen away from God's laws and are doing horrendous things while claiming to be God's children. There's only a remnant few uh, of the faithful of God left in Judah. And so it's in this horrible atmosphere that Habakkuk is crying out to God, crying out to God, crying out to God for an answer. And so... uh, as we read through, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to read the whole book of Habakkuk. We're just going to center in on about three passages. Um, but we're going to get a look at Habakkuk's prayers and God's answers. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and will you not hear? 
or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise so that the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the, ricky, for the wicked surround the righteous and so justice goes forth perverted. So let's stop there for a second. You can see Habakkuk's cry, and he's cried it over and over and over again. So notice verse 2. O Lord, how, how long shall I cry for help, and will you not hear? So it isn't just like he threw this prayer up once. It is like he has been intently and seriously praying for a long period of time. And he's saying, God, are you even hearing my prayers? So this is a heartfelt longing. And I'm sure, like I said, some of you I know can resonate with that. Probably all of us can resonate with that where there has been something you have deeply and honestly prayed for that hasn't come to pass. And so you're left in the wake of that saying, okay, God, are you even there? Do you hear my prayers? Do you love me? Do you care about me? And I want us to to have prayers like that that we prayed in the past or maybe even that we're praying right now in mind. Otherwise, this won't mean anything. This will just be theory. But I want this to be applicable. So picture or imagine... A time, if you're not in one right now, where you've prayed earnestly and honestly for something to come to pass. That you deeply desired. You thought would be good, not only for God's people, um, but God would get the praise for it. And it was a real and earnest desire of your own heart. And you prayed and there was seemingly no answer. Figure out whatever that is for a second. And here's what I want you to do. At your tables, um, for a couple minutes, be as open as you're willing. I know know, for some, you're meeting totally new people tonight, so I'm not asking you to share your life story. But if there is one particular prayer that you feel like you've prayed um, and felt like there was no answer, I want you to talk about it or what that was like. So for two to three minutes at your tables, talk about an unanswered prayer that you have earnestly and honestly prayed to God and you felt like there was no answer. Talk about that for two or three minutes, and then we'll keep on working through so, yeah, job, relationship, money. And each of us could individually think of particular things that in our own lives that we have prayed for, like I said, and it just feels like there's no answer. Um, and Habakkuk undoubtedly felt the same way. But let's see what happens when God does answer. So look back at Habakkuk. We're going to start in verse 5 here. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded from doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize the dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves, and their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. And their horsemen come from afar, and they fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, and all their, faces, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand, and at kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. So, Notice the very first thing God says to Habakkuk in his answer is not answering Habakkuk exactly as he would expect. 
Habakkuk is praying out to God saying, Lord, there's all this injustice around us. The Assyrians are these evil and unjust people and they're oppressing us. And even your own people are falling into sin. They're worshiping idols and worshiping other gods. They're not following the law that you gave us. And it seems like the law is totally useless. And Habakkuk's saying, God, it looks like you're just sitting back enjoying evil happening rather than punishing it and bringing justice. So think about it. That's a good prayer. He's saying, God, I want you to get the glory by bringing justice and reminding people of your strength and your power by bringing goodness to your people. That's a good prayer. It's not a selfish gain on his part. He's praying something that God would get the glory and it would be good for many people. And yet it seems like there's no answer over time. But then we see that God does answer. And look, the first thing that God says, again, isn't he's going to answer Habakkuk's prayer exactly as Habakkuk expected. He says this, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded from doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Basically, God's saying, I'm doing something that you could have never even imagined to ask because it's going to be so much greater than what you were hoping for. And it's happening in a way, like I said, that Habakkuk is not expecting. So God's telling Habakkuk that he is going to use this other nation, the Chaldeans, and they're going to come in and they are going to attack and take care of the Assyrians. And by doing that, they're going, he, God's going to use that to begin to bring justice against the Assyrians for their wrongdoings. He's going to bring justice against those that have turned away from God and Judah and begin to worship other gods. And in a way that Habakkuk never would have expected, God's going to bring the very ends that Habakkuk wanted. He's going to bring justice and goodness back to his people. So, again, Habakkuk, God is going to work in a way that Habakkuk never would have expected. And if all Habakkuk did was just stand back and wait, he would have missed what God was doing. I think this is really helpful for us to consider um, because I want us to begin to think through how do we how do we actually see what God is doing in the world and be able to pick up on that and understand it so we can see his movement and be beckoned to trust even more? And I really want us to reflect on just a few principles that we'll get from the course of Habakkuk. Um, and the first one is this, if you're taking notes. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Which probably sounds like, okay, what the heck? This whole lesson's about unanswered prayer. So how does that work? Isn't that kind of cheating? Isn't it kind of cheating to turn to Habakkuk and say, well, it's easy for Habakkuk because we know that God answered. We can see it in writing. But when I pray to him, I don't, I don't have something written out like that where God's responding directly to me. So it feels like it's cheating, right? But again, we know from verse 2 that Habakkuk had prayed over and over and over again, and it seemed like to no avail. But in fact, God, God was answering, and he was even beginning to prepare a work to answer Habakkuk's prayer like he could have never imagined. So one of the things I think we need to consider and think through when we're trying to discern God's answer to our prayers is this. One, does God actually hear prayer? Because some of us could have that feeling of like, does he actually hear what I'm saying? And after a while, it just feels like I'm just throwing up into empty words. But in order to think about that, we just have to know, okay, we know that God is all-knowing. We know that God knows everything we would ever pray or even want to pray before we pray it. He knows everything that we've thought about praying and never actually verbalized. He knows our confused thoughts and our deep desires that we don't even know how to articulate. 
And he hears it all. He knows it all. And he knew all of our desires and prayers before we ever existed. So the question isn't about him hearing our prayers. Jonathan Edwards, this uh, famous Puritan theologian, has this sermon uh, called The Most High, A Prayer Hearing God. And all he does is reflect on Psalm 65, 2, and the beginning, which says, O you God who hear prayer. And his whole argument in the sermon is that it is part of the very nature of God to hear prayer. So again, God hears every prayer we've prayed and every prayer we've thought about praying. But again, that doesn't feel like it answers the question, does it? Just because God hears our prayer doesn't mean he has to answer. So I think what we have to start with is how does God actually speak to us? And that may sound kind of elementary at first, but what I think you might find is that even those of us that have been in the Christian faith for a long time are waiting for God to speak to us in a way that he may very well not. And it's worth knowing that God speaks to us in more than one way. And so I want us to reflect on what that looks like, because if you're listening in one particular area and God's speaking in another, you can, you can assume that God's not talking to you at all when, in fact, he's giving you answer after answer. And so I think one of the struggles that we encounter when we think about prayer and unanswered prayer is this. If we're honest, whether you're a new Christian or those of us who have been Christians for a long time, there is a part of us that when we pray, deep down inside, we're almost waiting for like a literal audible voice of God. Let's be honest. And how cool would that be? That there'd be no question what it was. It seems like it'd be so easy for God to do it. We see examples in Scripture. So it's like, there are times, I know I've had it in my life, where I pray something earnestly, and there's just this little part of me, I'm waiting for this literal, audible voice of God. And when it doesn't come, and my prayer isn't answered exactly as I prayed it, I can begin to wonder, okay, God, are you even there? And so, one of the things I want us to think through in that is, probably, none of us or very few of us will ever hear the literal voice of God. And if you do, that is an incredible experience and a huge grace that God has given you. But the reality is most of us will probably never hear the literal audible voice of God. And so if that's all we're ever listening for when we pray, it's going to be no wonder that we feel like God isn't answering. But God doesn't just answer through speaking audibly out loud. He speaks in a lot of other ways. And so here are just a few basic ways I think God speaks to us that is worth being on our radar. Number one is this. He speaks to us through his word, the Bible. John Piper has this famous quote where he says, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, open your Bible and read it out loud. And that's not just a catchy saying, that's for real. So much so that, I mean, God has faithfully delivered his word down through the ages so that when you hold your Bible... You are holding a revelation that God specifically intended for you and the people of all the nations of the world. He, he wrote this through the minds and hands of men. And what we have here in our Bibles is incredible. Like if the early church could have the whole Bible together, they would be in awe. This is God's revelation to us. And in the same way um, that it, when we read the Bible, it would be as if Jesus was talking to us in that moment. That is how much authority rests in this word. So sometimes we can put more authority in the red letters in the Bible because Jesus is speaking it. Jesus would reject that totally. 
Every word in Scripture is God-breathed and helpful for us. And so in Scripture, God, God is speaking in incredible ways, and he does it in a way so that actually uh, it's applicable to all peoples across all generations. Um, there is something about a written word that we trust. And the beautiful thing is that God gives us so many promises in Scripture that we can cling to in moments where we're praying for things that seem like they're not answered. So, for example, are you praying for security? God has an answer for you in his word. Are you praying for strength? God has an answer for you in his word. Are you praying that you'd be known and loved by others? God has an answer for you in his word. I mean, you could, you could change your quiet times of spiritual journey entirely if you just prayed the promises of God each morning and thank God for them, just to know all the things that he has promised you. So if you want to know, if you want to hear from the voice of God, you start with the Bible. But that leads us to the next one. Another way to hear from the Lord is through the preaching of the word. So when someone is teaching the Bible faithfully, according to as God intended it, so not abusing it for wrong ends, then God uses that to declare his truth and his word to his people. There's a reason God instituted preaching in the earliest parts of the church, even all the way back into Ezra and Nehemiah in those days, because there's something about hearing the word of God declared and the truths of God declared that encourages God's people. So when you listen to Merle on a Sunday morning, that's part of God's grace to you to speak to you. When, you. when you feel convicted of sin or inspired on something or encouraged, that's God speaking to you through his word, through Merle. And that's why it's important to have good preachers and teachers. So God can speak to us through the preaching of the word as well. Another one, God can speak to us through wise counsel. So when you have people that you trust in your life and they give you a word, they give you an encouragement, they give you a chastisement. Um, they speak to you. That doesn't mean their words are perfect or infallible, but God speaks through people at times to encourage you. I think about my own walk, even just my journey to ministry, and God spoke specifically through multiple individuals um, to encourage me to go into ministry when I was running the other direction, like Jonah. So God can speak through wise counsel as well. That might even be your parents, believe it or not. You can have conversations with your parents, especially when you get out of college and you realize your parents are right about more things than you thought. Uh, there's a ton of wisdom that could come from those conversations about next steps in life. Um, like, I have learned more from Jay and Jane Minnick than I could ever tell you all, and the wisdom they've given me, because they've run the race longer than me, and they, they know the challenges that I'll face in times coming up. That's someone great if you're here. They would love to talk with you. Another way that God speaks to us is by promptings from the Spirit. Now, I want to be, I want to be careful with this one because there's a way that you can overplay this. There's a way that you can assume that any kind of feeling, make it just be a heartburn, but just feel something different in your heart and you assume that God's speaking a word to you. That's not what I mean by that. Um, you want to be really careful with this one. You always test that with Scripture. So if whatever prompting you feel like you're getting does not come from Scripture, it doesn't match up with the Word, it's not from the Lord. One of the ways I can usually tell that I'm, there's a prompting going on, that the Lord is trying to speak to me, is when there's thoughts that I can't shake, and it's just usually thoughts that don't benefit me in any way. Because if it's something that's just going to give you a huge benefit, it's, it may not be God. It may just be your selfish human nature wanting something good, and you can make it really, sound really pious. But if there's a thought that doesn't seem to immediately benefit you in any way, it might be pushing you outside of your comfort zone, calling you to something you haven't done before, 
and you can't shake that thought, and you're reading the word, and passages keep on coming up that seem to, to point that direction. Maybe there's a sermon that just seems to speak directly to it as you're wrestling through that. Or you have some wise counsel from someone you trust. As those things begin to come together, you can begin to wonder, okay, I wonder if the Lord's not, not moving here. Um, last thing I would say, last way I think, and a basic way God speaks to us, is through our everyday circumstances. And again, this one can be abused. So here's what I mean by this. God transcends all space and time. He has ordered every moment of our lives down to a complexity that we could never possibly imagine. Nothing is a surprise to him. He upholds the whole universe by the word of his power, and he has planned and decreed every event that happens. One of the ways God speaks to us is by events happening in our own lives. Now, there's a whole deeper conversation that comes up that we're not going to have about that tonight, but here would be kind of, here'd be my encouragement for you in that. Keep track, keep watch of what's going on in your life. Don't be so overwhelmed that you can't take a step back every once in a while and see the things that have been happening over time. Because I think God speaks to us through circumstances that we get put into in our lives. Again, this isn't to say that you need to go check out your astrology or do anything like that and see like, okay, um, you know, I think the stars are lined up this way and the circumstances are happening. That's not what I mean. Um, you, can, you can overread meaning into things, but as you keep track over time, as things keep on happening to where it's like, man, this just doesn't feel like a coincidence. That could be a sign the Lord is prompting you in direction. So like, again, even just recently, there's a friend of mine that I haven't seen in a couple years that is not a Christian. He's fallen away from the faith. And I hadn't thought about him in, in a couple years. Um, we weren't super close, but we were friends, had the same group of friends in college. And within the last week, three or four different friends have randomly brought up his name, all to the same purpose of, I don't know why, but I just feel like we need to do something. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think in that, God is speaking through circumstances, saying that, yeah, you guys need to have the hard conversations and reach out and love on him and care for him and invite him back to the church. I think, I think I can say the Lord is speaking in that. And there's nothing in that that would contradict Scripture. That idea doesn't immediately benefit me. It forces me to have a hard conversation. It could be awkward. Um, and yet, it would be in line with any counsel I would get. So that'd be an example of a way I think God can speak to us through our circumstances and other things. So for us, one of the ways we can actually hear God's answers is keeping track of all of those things. Keeping track of what's going on in our lives. When you do a quiet time and you can stand back and say, God knew I was going to read this passage of scripture today. It's not a surprise to him. Is there anything that's been going on in my life this past week, this past month, this past year that would be pointing to something with this? Or is there something coming up in my life in the next day or week or year that God might be using this passage and these circumstances to encourage me to? Be, be keeping track of that. This works even better when you're in an accountability group because you have other people that can see the movement of God in your life and be able to speak into that. Um, I can, I've had multiple occasions where I've been totally blind to something that was very obvious the Lord was trying to do and having friends that could say, hey, this, 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 and this are all happening. I think you need to keep your eyes open. I think God's trying to do something. There's a way he can answer prayers in that that I would have totally missed. So I've talked a lot. Let's take a second at our tables and talk through what are ways that in your own life, 
that you have seen God speak to you in these various ways, through scripture, through preaching, through wise counsel, through promptings of the spirit, and everyday circumstances. So what are some times in your life, could be big or small or in between, that you've seen God speak to you in those ways? Because I want you to have that in your mind so you can begin to see that just because you don't hear the literal audible voice doesn't mean God is distant. So talk about that at your tables for a couple minutes, and then we'll reflect. Yeah? That's awesome. Are you going to feature Merle in your next rap album? That'd be awesome. I'll talk to him about it. No, that would be amazing. Uh, raise your hand if you've walked out of a sermon feeling like, wow, he was speaking right to me. Yeah, I know I've been there. So even that, that's an example of a way that God can speak to us through something other than just a literal audible voice of his own. Um, like I said, there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer, and God is going to answer in one of those different ways. Um, he has, and just to be clear, sometimes the answer may come after we pass away, which sounds, sounds like it's not an answer, but it is. There are, if you read the course of Scripture, there are prayers that Old Testament saints prayed that didn't come to pass until Jesus came along. And that doesn't mean God didn't answer their prayers, but it means he answered in a way they could have never even imagined. It was awesome. Um, turn with me now to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 2. I'm just going to read a couple verses here. Habakkuk 2, starting in verse 2. He said there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. When Habakkuk replies to God after God's first answer, he's still kind of calling out to God, and then God says this. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time and it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So God is saying, even if the answer seems like it's distant, like it's not coming, I promise you it will come. Trust and cling to that hope because when it comes, you will know. Um, <clears throat> there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. So if there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer, and we know we have ways that we can, we can listen to God, different than just a literal audible voice, I want us to just basically think through, in, in the short bit of our time together, some basic principles about hearing uh, prayer and kind of realities of prayer. And the first one is this. God actually delights in our prayer. God delights in our prayer. That may sound crazy sometimes, especially if you're in a season where you're crying out and crying out, and it seems like there's no answer, but Listen to the words of Proverbs 15.8. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. When you cry out to God, it is a delight to him. When you pray to God, no matter how small, it is a delight to him. Think about that. It's not just enough that God hears your prayers. And there are other religions where the gods supposedly hear our prayers, but they view it as something that's a burden or a lot of times that's beneath them. And yet we have a God who delights to hear our prayers. He could, he could be doing a billion other things, and yet he delights to hear our prayers. And God is so infinitely powerful that to hear, he can hear one individual prayer in the same way he, he can hear them all. So don't ever think that God's not hearing your prayer or that you know, you're just insignificant because you're one in a million in that, but that God hears your prayer and cherishes it. He cherishes every single word. 
Maybe you're tempted to think that um, there's something about you that would cause God not to hear your prayers or delight in your prayers. Don't believe it. 1 Corinthians 1-2 says this, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So anyone and everyone can pray to God, and he delights in their prayers. If you are a Christian here, there is a special delight that God has, and there's a special confidence you can have because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. So listen to Hebrews 4, uh, 14 and 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast in our confession. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And if you want one more encouragement, you can go to God at any time. So Luke 11.5 says this, And which of you, um, and he said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. This is Jesus talking about prayer right now. So there are very few people, you wouldn't probably just walk out of your neighbor's house and ask for something at midnight, but you would a family member or a close friend. Tim Keller has this incredible line where he says, the only person who dares wake up the king at three in the morning for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. You have a God that delights in your prayers, that hears your prayers, and you can go to him at any time. Every prayer that God hears is from a sinner. So don't let Satan seep in with the lie that because you have done something, that immediately God won't hear your prayer. Every prayer God ever hears comes from a sinner. So we can go to God at any time and he delights in our prayers. Last, last bit I would say to this point, that God delights in our prayers. He even delights to hear our confused prayers, and he can hear them. So one of my, one of my favorite theologians is an old dead guy. Um, if you're around me enough, you know I love reading people from the past because there's a wisdom that they have. They're not blinded by our cultural circumstances. They can see past things that seem like obvious issues to us. Uh, all I've done is modernize this quote a little bit. This is just him and me changing a few old-sounding words. This is what he has to say about our confused prayers. A Christian complains that they can't pray. They say, oh, I'm troubled with so many distracting thoughts and never more than now. But has God put it into your heart a desire to pray? Yes, God will hear the desires of his own spirit in you. And then this guy Richard Sibbs quotes Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then Richard Sibbs also quotes the psalmist in Psalm 38, 9. Our groanings are not hidden from God. And he closes with this. God can pick sense out of confused prayers. These desires cry louder in his ears than your sins. Sometimes a Christian has such confused thoughts that he can say nothing, but as a child cries out, O Father, and is not able to articulate what it needs. These stirrings of the Spirit touch the heart of God and melt him into compassion towards us when they come from the spirit of adoption, from a striving to be better. So think about that. If you've 
been around little children much at all, you know there's the moment where you just hear this, especially if you've been babysitting, and you hear this cry, and you're like, oh my goodness, what, is it, what does the kid need? What is going on? Uh, and especially if it's not your kid, you can be like, what's going on? What does the child need? And yet, if a mom or dad were there, they immediately have an idea of what that kid is crying out for, even if the child can't even speak yet. There's something they so know their child, they so come to the beck and of the call of their child, that they can, they can discern an inaudible or an unarticulate cry out for help. And it's the exact same way with us and God. Like there are times in my life where I've had where I'm so angry or I'm so distressed that I, I can't even bring to words what I'm trying to say. And yet God knows exactly what I'm desiring. He knows exactly the way to reach out and help, exactly the way to encourage me. And that is an excuse for us never to pray out loud to the Lord or never to actually officially pray to the Lord, but it is to give you hope that even in moments where it feels like I don't even know what to say, God can hear and understand. There is no other religion that's going to make that kind of claim. There's no way that Allah is going to beckon to your every cry in that sense. There's no way that other gods are going to beckon to your cry and come with a heart of compassion like that. We have a God that would send his own very son to come and die for us, who would intercede on our behalf so that we can pray to God. And God cherishes every prayer, and he comes to our cries. And let that give you confidence in your prayers. So that if you're someone that you're praying for something and it just feels like God is not answering, know that he is coming to your aid. And as we'll see in a second, he's working at all times, even if we don't see it yet. So we know that God delights in our prayers. He can hear our confused prayers. So what are, what are some important things we need to know about God's answer to prayer? It's this. God can and will do more than we could ever ask or imagine. God can and will do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Take the Lord's answer to Habakkuk in Habakkuk 1. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. He's saying, Habakkuk, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to answer your prayer better than you could ever possibly answer it. It's the same thing that Paul says in Ephesians 3, where he says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Sometimes it feels like God's not answering because he's answering our prayers in a way that is infinitely better than anything that we're actually expecting him to answer with. So you might be expecting a very particular outcome from your prayer. And if God doesn't answer it in that way, you assume he's not answering your prayer. <clears throat> but the reality is that he is probably doing something that is a million times better. And just because it looks different than what you're expecting doesn't mean he's not answering. If you were to look back at the course of your life, I think you would see thousands and thousands of ways that God has answered your prayers better than you ever knew he could. I mean, even, again, even just think about Jesus. If Abraham and Isaac and Jacob could have known the answer to their prayers that would come many years later, their minds would have been blown. I mean, no one could have expected what God did in Jesus. That is talking about answering a prayer greater than they could have ever asked or imagined. Tim Keller has this quote that I just think is, I, I, this rings true to me every time I feel like I'm having trouble discerning what God's doing. 
you would answer your prayers exactly as God has if you knew everything that he knows. Let me say that one more time. You would answer your prayers exactly as God has if you knew everything that he knows. One of, one of the practical examples I think of this is like, think about a surprise birthday party. So let's say you, you want to surprise uh, one of your friends <clears throat> with a big birthday party. You, you know they would love it. It's not the kind of person that would hate that kind of attention. Uh, and you're getting all of these details ready, all of these people together, all the food together for this surprise party. And the person says, man, I, I would love to have a birthday party um, with some people this year. And they're just envisioning a, you know, a small dinner. They're, they're not expecting that you could ever put together some big extravaganza. Well, at first, maybe, maybe they want to plan that dinner at the exact same time that you're going to plan the surprise party. Well, you're not going to say yes to them because it would throw off the whole plans. But that doesn't mean that you're not answering their request. You're actually giving them something way better than they could have ever asked or imagined. And they're not going to be disappointed when they show up to the party and they realize, oh my goodness, this is way better than I ever would have expected. God does that to us all the time. Where we pray for something and we shouldn't, we shouldn't just assume that he's blowing us off because it doesn't come to pass exactly as we prayed it. But to think that, and the, the, I, we can vouch from this from scripture. If you pray for something that is in line with the will of God, he will always bring it to pass as you prayed it or it will always be something better if it doesn't come to pass as you expect it. If you pray something in line with the will of God, he will always bring it to pass either as you prayed it or better than you prayed it. Think about that. So we can have a confidence as we get to know the Lord better in Scripture and our heart has become more in tune to his heart. When we pray for things, the possibilities are amazing. But here's, here's what I would also say. There are going to be times where in the moment... It, it feels still, while God is doing an incredible work, that he's not actually answering or that he's given us something that's hard. So Luke 11 through 12, Jesus says this. Again, he's talking about prayer. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks you for an egg, will instead give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who asked him? So think about that. There are going to be times in your life where you pray to God for something. In this example, you ask him for a fish and it'll feel like he just gave you a serpent. It'll feel like he just gave you something that is terrible and you can't figure out what is going on. But know that in the end, it never is actually a serpent. It's always the fish. It's always what we wanted or better. And here's the catch with that. Sometimes what we want, and we'll get to this, is not always what we need. And God will always give us what we need. But there are going to be times in our lives where part of the way God answers our prayer is through really hard circumstances because it will get us ultimately to a better answer than we could have ever prayed for. Sometimes God will use hard circumstances to ultimately get us to something that's better than what we could have ever prayed for. And if you talk to someone that's been a Christian for, for, you know, especially if they've been a Christian for decades and they've walked with the Lord through hard times, you will for sure find this is true. If we have more time, I'd, I'd give more details, but even in the last two, three years, I encountered this where I prayed for something very specific and um, the Lord did not answer it right away. And in fact, took me through a two-year journey that was one of the hardest 
couple years I've ever had in my life. Uh, some friends and family members would probably say I fell into some pretty serious depression. Um, it was not a good time. And yet God was actually answering what I had initially prayed for years before that. But in that hard time, he was preparing me for a better answer than I could have ever imagined. And I would look back now and I wouldn't replace the hardship I went through. And in the moment, in the hardship, you feel like you could never say that, but it's true. God will work, for those who love him, God will work all things for their good and his glory. Um, so know that sometimes when you pray to God for something, he will, so like if you pray to God right now, make me more like you, his first response might be to convict you of sin. <laughs> and it's not going to be very fun in the moment, but that's one of the very first ways you can actually begin to be beckoned into the very thing you prayed for. We can think after example after example of this. So don't assume that God's not working if you encounter something hard after you pray. It may be the very way that he's giving you something better. Um, one, of the, one of the other points that we should consider is that, uh, and this one for me was not fun to wrestle through uh, as I was prepping this, is that God does not desire to give us idols that we will set up against him. What do I mean? Sometimes the things that we pray for, the reason they don't get answered the way we want is because we're actually praying for God to give us something that we would turn into an idol and we would worship instead of him. That is not a fun point to consider because for some of us, the very deepest cries of our heart may be things that we would actually turn into idols. So if there is a job or career that you have desperately wanted and you are crying out to God for, one of the reasons he's not bringing it to you right now may very well be that you would turn it into an idol. And it would consume your life. And that wouldn't be what you needed, ultimately. Another example, for many of us, I know it's personal. Maybe you are just dying to be married. You have been crying out to God for a spouse. You want to be married. You want to have kids. You want to enter that phase of life. And God's not bringing it. One of the reasons he may not be bringing it is because you would make your spouse or that significant other an idol. And you you would end up putting all of your weight and worship on them instead of the Lord. And a job and a spouse are terrible gods to worship. They're really good gifts, but they're terrible gods to worship. I don't mean that as a personal attack. For some of you, that may feel like a personal attack. Uh, even as I was going through this, I, there was something I was praying for that I think was totally that. And it was good for me to realize, I think I'm just praying for an idol. And again, it's not that that idol has to be a bad thing if used well. But sometimes God may not bring you that what you're praying for in the moment because he wants you to slay that idolatry before you're ready to actually receive that gift. Does that make sense? Um, something else I would, always, I would also say is that um, one, of the, one of the things that we can also experience as we keep on praying and praying to God for things is this. We can look back on our lives and be so incredibly thankful that God didn't answer our prayers as we prayed them. So, for example, I think of what I prayed for in middle school, and I am so glad God did not bring a lot of those prayers to pass. You know, like a silly example, I was talking with some friends uh, a couple days ago about this, and one of them mentioned they're like, you know, they just got married not long ago, and they're like, thank God. You know, he's like, in sixth grade, I prayed that, you know, Sue or whatever we're going to call her, uh, I would get to marry Sue, and that we would, you know, fall in love forever. And, uh, and he's like, thank God God did not bring that to pass. He was like, I love my, lo- my wife too much. Um, and that's a silly example, but 
you can probably think in your life, if you actually kept track of your prayers, about things that you're glad that God didn't answer in the way you expected. It's actually him being really loving. And so don't be discouraged. When you're praying for something now, the reality is you also may look back in a decade and say, thank God that you didn't bring that to pass as I prayed it. And it's worth us having that humility. We don't know everything we need for ourselves. So think about a little kid again. If a little kid asks you, hey, can I have like five cookies? You're probably going to be like, no, you don't need five cookies. Uh, come on, you're going to have a sugar high. It's not going to be good for you. You're going to be up super late. You know what that kid needs better than he knows. And in the same way, God knows what we need better than we know. And we need to trust him in that. Um, last two things. Continual prayer prepares us to receive the answer to that prayer. Continual prayer prepares us to receive the answer to that prayer. Which I mean. If you ask for something one time and you do it flippantly, it's not going to mean that much if you actually get what you ask for. But if you cry out over and over and over again for that, when, you, when it actually comes to pass and you get what you prayed for, it is going to mean so much more. And so for some of you, you may be in a, fra- in a phase of crying out, crying out, and crying out to God for something. And in that period of time, in that crying and in that wanting and that wailing, God is actually preparing you to receive that gift and enjoy it more than you could ever now. It's the difference between when you're a kid in some ways, if you just get something for Christmas versus, you know, you know I remember mowing lawns as a middle schooler to save up money for something. And I enjoyed what I saved up for and worked for far more than what I was just given. And in some ways, it's like that with us in prayer. When we cry out to God for things over and over again, God prepares our hearts to receive what we've been given. And it helps us see that we just didn't do it on our own. It was actually a gift of God. You know what I mean? We don't get confused that because I prayed that one time, I actually did something. But it was actually a gift of God that's given to me. And it helps us worship God more when we actually get what we prayed for. Last, last thing. We can actually cry out to God, and in, sometimes in language that we wouldn't normally associate with piety. What I mean. Sometimes you read the Psalms, and I remember being uncomfortable because of the way the psalmist would talk to God. I mean, you could just get this heartfelt, deep longing, like, God, why are you not listening to me? Why are you not answering my prayer? Do you hear me? In a, in a way that like, I would never think about praying to God when I was younger. And it took a really serious hardship for me to get to a point where it would just was like, God, are you even listening? And then I began to understand what the psalmist, how the psalmist felt. God wants you to pray like that. Because here's what it means. It means you actually trust him and think he's listening. Because if you just pray, if you pray flippantly, and it's just no big deal, and you don't think much of it, then you're not actually showing you have much faith in God to answer and listen in the first place. But when you have these heartfelt cries to God, you are showing the Lord that you're relying on him and you're waiting and ready for him to respond. So here are some ways that the psalmist will actually talk to God. Psalm 55, 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Psalm 27, 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Psalm 143, 1. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. 
Psalm 61.1, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And then Psalm 54.2, O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. I mean, that is the psalmist crying out to God saying, listen to me, please. I am pouring out my heart here. Listen to my prayer. Please answer. And we should pray like that to God. When, when a little child goes to their parent, they don't have really pious language and try to impress anybody like that. They are crying out loud because of a deep desire of their heart. And that's how we should pray to our Heavenly Father. But in that, we should pray with a posture of faith. I want you to think about how Jesus prayed in the garden. I mean, he says, Lord, if there would be another way, would you please bring it to pass? He knew everything that was coming. But he said, but not my will, but your will be done. That's the kind of posture we should have with the Lord. To say, God, I'm going to cry out with all my might to you, but no matter what, I want your will to be done. And you can hold those two things in faith so that whatever you're going through right now, you can cry out to the Lord with cries of deep faith and even deep pain while simultaneously saying, I trust whatever you're going to do, God, because of the promises you've given me in your word and because of everything you've done in my life up to that point. That's a different kind of prayer than a lot of us probably pray, than I know I often pray. And yet, those are the prayers that show that there is a deep reliance on the Lord. Those are the prayers that grow us and change our lives. So, as we close, here's here's the last words of Habakkuk. Turn with me to the very end of Habakkuk. The last three verses. Habakkuk does this back and forth with God. He's crying out to God for an answer. And God finally answers and says, I'm going to answer in a way that you could never possibly imagine. Habakkuk cries out again. And he says, Lord, where is this answer? What's going on? And God says, trust me, it will surely come. This is Habakkuk's prayer to God in the midst before his prayer is answered. Before God's vision and promise have come to pass, Habakkuk is a changed man. And here's what he says. So Habakkuk 3, starting in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and he makes me tread on high places. That is a powerful prayer in the midst of what is a really hard time for Habakkuk. His prayer still hasn't been answered in front of him yet. And yet he is relying on the promises of God and saying, God, I am crying out to you, but I trust, I trust even in the midst of the storm. And that's the posture I want us to have. So here's how I want us to close. At your tables, I want you to actually practice that posture. So I want you to start for about a minute, 30 seconds to a minute. I want you to pray, just individually, just silently, with that posture of, Lord, I am crying out to you with all of my heart for whatever that desire is, whatever that thing you're seeking is. And yet I want you to pray with the posture of, but no matter what, Lord, your will be done. So pray individually at your tables for about 30 seconds to a minute, and then I'll direct you. I'm going to have you guys pray together as a group, just collectively, that we could cry out to God together, 
but yet God's will would be done. That he would help us delight in what he delights in, not merely the idols we want to set up. That we could trust him regardless. So pray individually, and then in just a second, I'll prompt you to pray together as a group. Let me close this in prayer. God, thank you that you're a prayer hearing God. God, that you delight in our prayers. That they're not a burden to you. But God, you delight in every word that we pray to you. God, thank you that you hear our confused prayers. And when we don't even know what to say, Lord, you know what we're trying to say. God, you come to our call as a father comes to a crying child. God, you comfort us in our times, Lord, and we know that you are always answering our prayers. Lord, would you give us clarity and vision to be able to see your answers to our prayers, Lord? Would you help us get you out of the box that we often put you in, Lord, where we expect you to work in one very particular way? Or would you help us see all of the thousands of ways that you are working in our lives. God, would you open our eyes to all the things that you are doing. God, that it would give us comfort that you are answering our prayers. And God, give us comfort that you are working beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, would you help us slay idols? As we pray for things, Lord, you know what we need. And sometimes what we need isn't always what we want. And God, would you help us slay idols? Would you prepare us to receive the gifts that you want to bestow on us in prayer? God, would you prepare us for really excruciating times that we might have to endure? God, would you be with those right now that feel like they're in a, a period where you're nowhere to be found, God, where you feel distant, God, where they're enduring really hard times and they're crying out to you, God, would you give them a special sense of your joy and your comfort tonight, Lord? Would you help them see ways that you are working, God? Would you pull back the veil so they'd be able to have a glimpse of what you are doing in their lives? God, thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross to cleanse us of our sin, take on the punishment we deserve, and God, ascend into heaven, intercede for us, God, that you would hear and cherish our prayers. Lord, let us not neglect the reality of prayer, God. How crazy would it be is if we could go through our everyday lives and not pray when we have the infinite God of the universe waiting to hear our cries. God, help us cherish that gift. And God, help us to ultimately conform to your will. Help us to delight in what you delight in so that, God, even the idols that we pray for, we would see that you have something better, namely yourself. So, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And, God, help us to see our answers as we look forward to the day when there will be no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more death. God, we hearken for that day when promises will be fully kept. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.